Well, tonight we're going to turn in the Word of God to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And we'll read together just the first part of this chapter. Acts 28. And read down from verse 1 to verse 11. And the scripture says, And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw that no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. And after three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. We'll end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. This evening we're going to think on this incident of Paul and the others on this island among those that... Uh, were, in his word, a barbarous people. And I want us to think on what I am calling unexpected house guests. Unexpected house guests. But before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to bless the word. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will bless the word of God. We pray that you will use it in our hearts to draw us closer to yourself and allow us to understand more of what we have and who we are in the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will Give us, Lord, not only instruction but encouragement tonight that our God goes before us in all things. Lord, bless now this time. Bless us for Jesus' sake, for we pray it in his name. Amen. We have here the incident of Paul and the others that were with him in the ship coming to this island after their shipwreck 
And of course you read then of the hospitality of those on that island, uh, taking care of them, providing for them, because winter was on, on them and was uh, shortly to be uh, perhaps even worsening. One thing that we do have to keep in mind when we consider this whole passage of Scripture is what Paul was told in Acts 23, verse 11. We commented on this Wednesday night that Paul had been told in Acts 23, 11 that he would testify of the Lord Jesus in Rome. There was the Lord's word to him. That was the Lord's revelation to him of what his course would be in the next number of months. And he had many other matters that he was to do. We made mention of that Wednesday night. There were epistles that the Lord meant to be written. There were some that were meant to be converted. There were others that were meant to be ordained and established in the churches. There was still a large work for Paul to do. So the matter of his coming to Rome and then doing the other things that the Lord would have him to do was an absolute certainty. You'd have to say then that this shipwreck and what was happening here at this time was completely in line with the purpose and plan of God. The whole matter of the boat was ordained. Though it too, you have to say, it would have had to have appeared to be part of the chaos that began back in Acts 22. We commented on that on Wednesday night, how it looked like everything was coming unhinged. Everything that Paul was hoping to have done in Jerusalem seemingly was not done. Quite the opposite. He was arrested. He was taken by the Romans off to another city. And now here he spends two years there in that place. And then finally has his way made open to go to Rome where he had appealed to Caesar. But it was not as far as Paul's thinking, I believe, not something that you would say anybody would have ever planned. But in the course of this trip, you have the terrible storm. Was the terrible storm something that was blown up by the devil? Could be. But was it part of God's everlasting plan? Yes. Was that time when they had to trust God there on that ship? that the Lord would deliver them and would spare them? Was that part of the plan? Yes. Oh, I want us to just understand that the shipwreck was ordained for those on the ship. But also, and here's where I want us to come in our thinking tonight, this shipwreck was also ordained for those people who lived on the Isle of Melita. They would, in the providence and in the plan of God, have, as I just said, unexpected house guests. Here you have a whole ship of people that are brought to this island, brought to this place where no one would ever have thought that they would land or be. Well, you'd say, well, it says in the first number of verses there that they went out and they made a fire and 
They made it as comfortable as they could because it was a, a rainy, stormy time and the cold was come. So you say, well, that was just part of it. You know, that was just what they would have normally done. That's what anybody would have done when there was a shipwreck. You go out and you try to help them. This is the early version of the Red Cross, so to speak. They're out there trying to help these people so they don't freeze to death because they're all wet from being in the sea. Um, I want you to think, though, on this. How many people were with Paul on that ship? Well, if you read through chapter 27, you'll come to understand 276. Not one of them was lost. Not one of them was in a place where he was not to be found again. They all were there, 276 of them on the shore. Now, if you're a resident of the island of Melita, you have 276 people that just suddenly blow up on your shore. What do you do? There may have been more. But my point is, what do you do? And here's, here's further the thought. Winter was upon them. There was no way for them to go on. It's not like you say, well, guys, we're, we'll feed you for a couple of days. There's going to be another ship here coming in in another day or two, and you, we'll just put you on that, and there you go. No, winter was there. There was no other way, no other ships. There was nothing going to happen here for quite a long time. Here you have 276 people who are just now dumped on your door, so to speak. What do you do? How do you handle such a crowd? Well, the scriptures tell us for the first three days, there's a great man, a chief man of the island, who offers from his possessions, a man named Publius. But what happens after that, after the three days? How were they to be taken care of? Again, this in the providence of God occurred. They were there by the plan and the hand of God. 276 plus. In verse 11, again, it says, They winter on this island and are there for three more months. Because in verse 11 it says, And after three months we departed in a ship. So there they were. They were there for the winter. Well, this brings up some real questions. How do you feed so many mouths? And these were not children. These were prisoners. These were men, perhaps, of full-grown age. This was a time when the crops were not growing. This was winter. Or the only food that they would have had at this time would be food that was stored. So what they had, they had, and they didn't have a way to get any more. Also, we'd have to say this. Where do you shelter 276 plus men? Where are they going to find a place for them to, to stay during this time? Also, you'd have to say, this is winter. What are these men to do? You know, it's, it's cold. You're not going to be outside. Uh, you know, they're not, we're not going to say, hey, guys, here's some fishing poles. Go on out. This is winter. What are these men to do? And I want you to keep in mind, all was ordained. All was ordained. Why? 
So we ask the question, why? What was this all about? Well, I have just some observations that I want us to make, and I think maybe we can relate them to ourselves here. I want you to see then, and we should not be surprised, first, the impossible is sometimes God's way. The impossible is sometimes God's way. They were no longer in danger of the sea anymore. But there was some danger. There was danger perhaps because was there enough food stored for the residents of this island and then to take an extra 276 plus men on? And also keep in mind that these men that washed ashore were prisoners that were being taken to Rome for judgment. Is it possible, we may even put it this way, is it not likely that many of these men were criminals on their way? They were prisoners for a reason. What do you do with this many criminals that don't have anything to do? Can we expect trouble? You can just imagine that some of these people would say, well, some of these men are thieves and some are perhaps murderers and who knows what's going to take place now. We've got all these men amongst us in this winter and they don't have anything to do. Their, their idle minds will be conjuring up all kinds of wicked things. But God had a purpose for that purpose transcended then the difficulty. Keep in mind, that's always the case. When you and I sometimes face what we would say, this is an impossible situation. We need to understand that God's purposes always transcends our difficulties. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, let me just say it this way. What God orders, God supplies for. And we want to ask ourselves just plainly this question. What might God order for you? What might God say, this is the impossible thing that I want you to, to face. What should we say to such a thing? Well, I'm going to tell you. Very often the common thing that we do is we find a way to gripe about it. We find a way to worry about it. I want you to see something astounding that is not in our reading. You say, huh? Yes. What is not in our reading is any mention of any worrying, griping, or complaining anywhere. You don't see it. Well, what must that simply mean? That there was supply. There was the hand of God that was made to be seen. There was something that took place there that overrode the difficulties, that overrode the dangers, that made this the exact place of God's choosing for his servant Paul and those that were with him for these three months. Which brings me then to my second thought. The impossible does not call for man's answer. 
The impossible things that God puts us through or puts us to do does not demand that you and I come up with the answer for it. When we feel that, when we are under the stress of having to come up with an answer for things, that's when we start our griping and our worrying. Here, that was not the case. You know, I think that those that were on that island with these men who were the unexpected house guests, they could have reasoned or planned their way through it. But I'm telling you, when man tries to reason his way through the things that God ordains, it never works. The point is simply this, what God ordains, God has the answer for. It is our place then to seek him, to trust him, and to do as he says. That has always been the way, and it's still the case now. The impossible does not call for man's answer. And then there's a third thing that I want to point out about this. The impossible led to the amazing. The impossible led to the amazing. There were things that were done here that nobody could have imagined. Starting with the healing of Publius's father. You, you, you almost have to stop and wonder, did the Lord mean for this to happen because there was somebody that needed the touch of the Lord? A healing touch, perhaps even more so spiritually healing touch? Was there something that had to be done on this island spiritually that would not have been done had this happened in any other way? You know from the reading here that when Publius's father was healed, that others then brought their needy ones and they also were healed. So there was an expansion of the situation. There was an expansion of the blessing of the power of God. And the fact that there were so many that were healed, you have to say, well, rarely do you have the Lord's healing being applied where there is no faith. How many times did the Lord Jesus Ask those that he healed, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe? Do you believe? You'd have to say then, the fact that there was others that were healed, there had to be then the evidence of faith arriving and faith doing its work of healing hearts spiritually. I, you say, what are you saying? I think that there was in fact a moving of God here. And I think that there were conversions that were likely among these people, these barbarous people, that when they saw the power of God and heard of the grace of God and knew the mercy of God, that there were conversions, perhaps conversions among the prisoners, these criminals. You know, I say there was not an unlikely move of grace among the prisoners. When you say, well, how do you deem that? Because there was no riots. You don't see anything more about the prisoners but that they went calmly and obediently along with the Roman soldiers on to Rome. You think a prisoner, if he was really a devious fellow, would say, you know what? We have got a perfect opportunity here to make our way out from this situation. Maybe on some cold and rainy night we'll overpower our guard and we'll be on our way. 
none of that. Well, why would that possibly be? Maybe there was conversion. Maybe there was a changing of the hearts. You know, why? my point that I make this evening is simply this. Why were there so many house guests? Well, because I believe the Lord was changing the guests into sons. The impossible. You and I look at situations and we judge them impossible. God looks at these situations and this is perfectly in line with the plan that I have for eternal reasons. And then my last thought is this, that the impossible led to a wonderful testimony. What was that testimony? Well, simply this, God worked. God supplied. And he showed his abundant mercies. How do you know? Because these men were able after three months to go on. There was nobody that got sick and there was nobody that starved. They went on. And the testimony that you'd have as those who were on the island of Melita, you'd think after, this would have to have been a historic event for these people on that island. They probably would have talked about it for generations to come. And they're probably going to have to say, you know, we never would have seen it. We never would have seen the power of God. We never would have seen the mercies of God. I would not be able to tell you, my grandson, about what God has done for me in my heart had I not seen this unexpected, impossible situation. Didn't look for it. Didn't know what to do with it when we had it. But God supplied. A testimony was left on that island. Well, what can I say further? Just these thoughts by way of application, and with, with this we're done. I think there's applications in three ways. Number one, you and I are to understand that God will call us to go through the impossible at times. Think it not strange, Peter says, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Well, that means oppression, it means persecution, but it can also mean what we would look at as saying, this is just absolutely beyond me. This is too much. This is, I can't see how this is ever going to work out. It's impossible. Well, God does call us into the moments of the impossible sometimes, and it's for good reason. Two, look for the Lord's purpose in the impossible rather than the immediate troubles. Look for the purpose of God. What could God be doing? What could God be doing in me? Maybe I'm starting to see some things in me I don't like and maybe I need to put that before the Lord and confess that and turn from that and repent. Maybe there's things that need to be changed in my life, in my existence. Maybe I need to be thinking about this in a larger sense. Maybe the Lord's offering an opportunity to see something really wonderful done for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Look for the purpose of God. And then third, you know, the Lord Jesus was unceasingly faced with such times. 
Christ over and over again was faced with what you and I would say, well, that's an impossible situation. What was the Lord's response, particularly to his disciples in such times? I think, and I say this is just one answer, but I think it can be applied to so many. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. When you see that which is impossible, have faith in God. Lord, the storm is too big. We're sinking. The water's filling up the boat. How is it that you have no faith? Have faith in God. Lord, my brother has been dead four days now. Um, believe. Believe that I am able to do this. Yes, faith. Here's a call to faith. To trust the Lord that even though we would face us, the impossible, we have times that we might say, uh, yeah, this is not quite the same thing, but yeah, unexpected house guests, so to speak. How do we deal with this? Have faith in God. The Lord orders and the Lord supplies what we find him bringing to us will be for his purpose. It will be for his glory, but it'll certainly end up being for our joy as well if we see the hand of our God. Well, may the Lord bless his word to us for Jesus' sake. Father, now we pray that you will bless this word. We pray that you will let it be that which is used by the Spirit of God to encourage us, not with ourselves, not with positive thinking that everything will just be fine, but may we find ourselves confident in the purpose, the power, and the provision of our God in all things, and that for Jesus' sake. Lord, bless now us as we leave this place we pray that you'll keep us close to thy heart we ask in Jesus name and for his sake Amen